0: The virtue of justice. Justice comes from God because God is perfectly just. So God, in his infinite perfection, models all of the virtues in their infinity and in their perfection. One of those virtues is the virtue of justice. We need to to exercise the virtue of justice lest evil would prevail. So in this life, we have our own sense of justice. You get paid for X amount of work, and that's told in advance, and agreed to in advance, etc. Nobody gets seconds until everyone has had first, etc. That kind of thing. And we see this in virtue at work within us, even as little toddlers. Toddlers understand when their siblings get something that they don't get. And so there's a sense of injustice that their sibling got something that they didn't get, and there's only... You know, they're only like 12 months old, and they're already having a fit about this, that somebody else got a treat and they didn't. It's not just envy or jealousy, it's a sense of injustice, and so they feel hurt. Well, that's coming from God. We're made in God's image and likeness, so we have built within us this natural proclivity toward a sense of the virtues and working on them. All right, so that's a good thing. So when these landowners come and complain to the, not the landowners, but the laborers come and complain to the landowner, you're giving people who work one hour the same pay that you've given to us. That's not just. And they're right to say that in the human capacity of understanding, it's not just. It's just that Jesus begins the parable of this landowner and the laborers by saying, The landowner can be likened to the kingdom of heaven. In other words, the landowner can be likened to me, Jesus, God in flesh. And with God, there is no ability to ever earn our way home to heaven. We can't. To make sure, to be sure, God wants us to strive and to serve him. And he wants us to love him and to love our neighbors because of, his love, of our love of him. Which means serving the Lord in our neighbors, etc. But no matter how much service we do and no matter how perfect we try to be, we can still never get to the kingdom unless it's God's mercy.
1: So this is where our understanding of justice just
0: simply has to, when it comes to God, exceed the bounds of the world and the world's laws of justice. To simply take it to a divine perspective. That in justice we would all have been damned in the Garden of Eden. But in mercy God would save us, although he does want us to work in his vineyard. Jesus as this landowner, he goes out seeking it multiple times during the day, labors for his harvest, in the morning, at noon, in the late afternoon, etc. He seems to be relentless in wanting to bring more labors into work and into pay and ultimately into salvation. But well, we got to remember that is injustice the giving the same amount of money to one guy who worked one hour as another guy who worked 12. And remember, the workday begins at 6 a.m. and ends at 6 p.m. And the last wave started at 5 p.m. So some guys literally work 12 hours in the sun in the country of Israel, which has got to be very hot and sweaty and painful. And some guys just one hour. And this landowner is going to give the same pay to the one hour as he is for the twelve. But what we have to understand is that the landowner is Jesus and he's going to mount the cross. And in the end, it's as if we all only worked for one hour. Or honestly, for one second of one hour. Compared to what it is that the landowner is going to do for those who will serve him. There's a temptation for us to measure our life by what we imagine we deserve. I deserve this, or I don't deserve that, etc. The thing is, when it comes to God, we deserve nothing. We didn't deserve to be created. That was done out of God's pure charity. We didn't deserve to be saved. That, again, is done out of the pure charity of God, who would atone for our sins, in the only way sin can be atoned for, a blood sacrifice, and in this way, the blood sacrifice of God himself. And then God created the heavens, And when I say the heavens, I mean Orion and Pleiades and all of the galaxies and things beyond our wildest dreams. And that's what we will inherit. We deserve none of it. There's also a temptation for us to measure the lives of others by what we imagine they deserve. They deserve this, they don't deserve that, etc. In the end, compared to God, we deserve nothing. But God is so good. Jesus is sober. The mercy of God. Here is this other part of it, though, is that it really is exhausting and painful for the laborer who worked 12 hour, the 12-hour day in the heat of the sun. Or in whatever the weather is, you know, whether it's raining all day and the wet and the mud, or it's freezing cold and the chill, and your fingers are numb. Or in the, the weeds and the thorns and the rocks of the earth or whatever it is. It's just exhausting to work day after day after day like that. It is, and it's okay to be honest about that and tell the Lord. Another way of saying it is, Lord, it's really exhausting to be your faithful disciple every single day. It's really exhausting, Lord, to pray every day, to be faithful in prayer every day. It's really exhausting, Lord, to do penance for you, Every day. To willingly suffer for love of you and love of my neighbor because of you. Every day. That's really hard, Lord. Lord, it's really hard for me to work up the courage to share you with other people who need to hear about you. Even if they would laugh and mock me for doing it. These virtues, Lord, are really hard to live. And it's okay to be honest about that. And and then it's okay, too, to say... Lord, I am exhausted. I am exhausted. And I speak here from personal experience, and I know that you can share this in your life in other ways that I'll get to in a moment. But in my own life, I find times where I think, Lord, I really don't want to pray for that person. I really don't want to do penance for that person's conversion and salvation. I really don't, Lord. That person does terrific damage to other people and uh, I really don't want to do that and then I look at I look at the cross and I know that okay I am that person and if Jesus didn't go to Calvary I wouldn't make it and I have to model it and it is exhausting it is exhausting so that gets to another virtue called perseverance to persevere To persevere with Jesus all the way to the hilltop of Calvary. How do we do that? Well, I know that for many of you, there's someone in your life that exhausts you. It might be your spouse. It might be one of your children. It might be a grandchild. It might be a brother or a sister. It might be a parent. It might be a boss at work or it might be an employee of yours. Somebody who just exhausts you. They just, oh, you just, you can't fix them. You just can't fix them. Or there's a brokenness there between you and them, and you want it fixed, but it can't be fixed. And you can't get them out of your head either. And there's this fatigue and this exhaustion. And so you find yourself saying, I wish I could walk away from the field. I wish I didn't have to labor this. But I keep finding myself back in that field over and over again. I keep finding myself thinking about this person and worrying about them. And so I'm just going to keep praying for them. I'm going to keep doing penance for them. I'm going to come to daily Mass for them. And they have no idea I'm doing it for them. I'm going to make great sacrifices. Because I've got really no alternative. Because that person preoccupies my mind and they must be very important to me wouldn't it be awesome if that was the case with Jesus and the Lord that he so preoccupied our mind that we couldn't help but go into the field at 6am every morning to toil for him for 12 hour days even though we even at times would want to pick up the dirt and say I am so tired of toiling for you but I've got no alternative Store their dirt down. And then at the end of the day, say, I'm sorry for that. And then to thank them for the work. Thank them for the possibility of working with him. There will be a great reward in the next life for those who will serve the Lord in this life. And the treasure that we're laying up is not the coins at the end of the day. It's the billions in the kingdom of heaven. A billion galaxies at least. We know that. There's at least a billion galaxies. They're waiting for you. With countless angels that exceed the population of people on earth. By two to one at least. Inquirers of them. Things beyond our imagination. We can't even begin to imagine them. Waiting for those who would toil for the Lord. The treasure we're laying up is in the kingdom of heaven. And we're laying it up not just so that we might inherit it. We're laying it up so that the lazy bums who showed up at the last minute might inherit it too. Because at the end of the day, we're all lazy bums compared to God. At the end of the day, we're all just specks of dirt compared to Him. And He is so amazing that He would take a speck of dirt and glorify it and make it phenomenal. Phenomenal that it might live forever with him in the kingdom of heaven. So amidst your exhaustion and your toil in this life for those you love and maybe even for those you despise, know that you're laying up great treasure for you and for them and you didn't deserve any of it and Jesus did it for you anyway. And so you're going to do this for others too, as it's been done for you. And you're not going to give up. You're not going to give up. And you're going to keep doing it until finally the landowner says, come inherit my kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world.